Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. I never thought this this question, how would one lose a tortoise? It's a good question. I mean, how did they not think that was going to get over? We love watching the fat man dance. Oh my fucking god, he's Kamehameha waving the bats. He's not doing a good job with pulling the pictures at the right time. Well, you're an idiot, dude. Shut the fuck up. Well then, in one, two, three. Hello, greetings, guten tag, blah, 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 or however else you say hello, and welcome to VFTR 2.0. I am Chad. And today I'm coming to you from my patio because it's nice out. And one of these days we will put this back into a video podcast because if you would watch all these videos, you'd get a very, very slow house tour. And you know exactly what my house looks like because I keep doing it in different areas of my house every week. So, well, whatever. I'm Chad and I am joined by my good buddy, the co-host with the mostest. We call him around here. Big Baby Daddy Diesel. Thanks for the wonderful introduction again, Dadalak. On 22s. Can't forget about that. I usually do, but not this week. I am joined here in Diesel's Dapper Dungeon of Delight. And I don't really have anything else to say because we're going to be talking about 30 matches of G1 action. So that's not your thing. Well... Get a snack and enjoy anyways, because it's you don't got a choice. You're locked in. Yeah, you started this. You paid for the ticket. Now take the ride. Because, yes, as promised last week, we're not going to beat around the bush, because we have a lot of wrestling to cover. So it's time for hashtag TRT. And that, of course, means it's Top Rope Topics time. And once again, it is the most wonderful time in the wrestling season it is G1 Climax time, and we have six nights, or no, yeah, six nights of G1 action to cover, five matches from every night, 30 matches in total, so let's just jump right into it, and we go all the way back to last Tuesday, which would have been, what's the date last Tuesday? The 2nd of, yeah, August 2nd. All right, all the dates on the top, the header part of my notebook. So if you ever need, need a date, I gotcha. You know what? I'll ask you for the date each time because I definitely don't have the date written down. I just write down which night of the G1 it is. I write down night 10. But night 10, once again, five action or five matches each night. Now we kick off with B block action. And this was Ishii taking on the great Okan. Yeah, I don't have very many notes for this one, and it's been a while. I've watched a lot of wrestling since this one. 29 matches, to be exact, just in this tournament alone. Um, I have from The only note I took was, big men go boom. And <laughs> I don't remember the exact spot I was talking, like, I wrote this note for. Um, I think I did it this way because I watched on the day of recording from last week. And we didn't get to it. So, like, I kind of was a little more relaxed on my note-taking. Or yeah, you assumed we would be doing 
uh, so, episode with it on there. Yeah. Yeah. So I have Big Mango Boom, and then I have the finish, which uh, was Great Okan wins with the Eliminator. That's all I know. And to mention on this night, um, Lance Archer was on commentary. Yep. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, for my notes, uh, Khan was out wrestling Ishii to start the match. It was very obvious that if Khan kept the match to the you know mat based stuff, he had the clear advantage against Ishii. Uh, Ishii turned into a slugfest for a minute, that but made the mistake of going for a knee bar, which Hinare clearly knew, or I mean Khan clearly knew the counter to. So once again, locked him back there. Combinate. Khan dominated this match, the great Okan, for most of this, you know, opening area until Ishii fires up and hits a huge lariat for two. Enziguri into a sliding lariat for another two. Uh, headbutt off of a chop. Uh, they have a headbutt off slash chop off that Ishii clearly won, which I thought was a lot of fun. This is the part of the tournament. Once we get to night 10, I feel like every single night, now we have at least one spot of the night where it's just a strike off and then just both guys just blast each other for like a good solid minute. And I, I don't know if it's because we've like gotten farther into the tournament or what, but I feel like it's present in every single like match or every single night, at least one spot. Uh, but then, yeah, we go into the finish. Uh, the big throat chop hits the eliminator for the win. 12 minutes, 59 seconds. Great Okan gets his first points of the tournament. Ishii stays at two points. Yes, I gave this match 2.5 stars. It just, I don't know, I don't, there's something about Great Khan that I'm not sure. I like him when he tags with Jeff Cobb. When he's by himself, I just, I haven't gotten really into him, at least up to this point. There is a match later on that we'll be talking about that I actually liked a lot better than this one with Great Khan in it. But, yeah, just. I don't know. I'm not totally sold on Great Ocon yet, except good for him for saving that one girl and uh, basically holding that guy down to the cops got there. Yeah. But I he's mean, a heel. So like they keep on talking about it, but he's a heel. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing ever because it happened in real life, so they can't not talk about it. But he's also, yeah, he's a bad guy, so we're supposed to boo him, but he literally saved that girl. So it's like, yeah, good for <laughs> you, man. Uh, I gave this match three stars. I thought it was there. I like Great Ocon. I thought this was one of his better matches of the tournament, not saying much because Great Khan hasn't had the best run so far. I do agree with you. He's been a little disappointing. I feel like Ishii, though, has really ramped up since like his first two matches. I thought Ishii was on the like the real downslide this tournament. And I was like, ooh, this might be Ishii's last tournament. Since those first two matches, and we'll talk about it more later with these th- like 30 matches. He just has been on a tear, and they haven't been the like old Ishii matches, but they've still been good yeah. Ishii matches. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Ishii, but like they're all the same formula. Like, they are. I mean, like sometimes when things are the same formula, like uh, uh, bad luck fall a match, like I don't know, I like that formula. I don't know. I guess I kind of get it gets stale for Ishii because you've seen it so many times, you know, so it's just like, you know what to expect. And I don't know. Yeah. Well, don't worry. We'll get to talk about more Ishii matches and probably a couple bad luck fall away matches because we have a lot of matches to talk about. That's true. Pretty sure everybody in the tournament is going to get covered at least one time. I think you're right. I think we will for the first time in our G1 coverage cover every single wrestler, all 28 of them on one episode. Okay, 
So, uh, so as I said, this match, uh, Gray O'Connor gets his first two points. Ishii stays at two. Second match on night 10 was a block action. And this was filthy Tom Lawler taking on Yano. I'm going to be honest. I have three notes about this match. I have DVD trade. Shocker. It's empty. Clap off into a wig spot for two. And we have shenanigans, shenanigans, pants off, dance off for everyone. Tom deals with roll-ups into wearing a cup, hits the nasty knee for a win. Tom Lawler gets his first two points. Yeah, you pretty much have uh, everything that I have, except uh, you didn't mention that the DVD that Tom Lawler had was Sister Act 1 and 2, which was number one for three weeks in a row in 1993. The best part of this match was the fact that Kevin Kelly had to Google this because he was like, what? Why does he have sister act? And then he's like, wow, it was really popular here. But, uh, it's not just the nasty knee. It's the nasty knee on the brain. Yeah. Um. So it's the NKT or NKOTB. And yeah, it's awesome. Yes. Uh, yes, he got the win. It wouldn't have been like he needed the win. Because he's not doing very well anyways, and Yano doesn't need to win. Uh, I gave this match 2.75. It wasn't a great match. There was some fun spots. I really liked the whole sister act thing. But yeah, the wig spot was actually pretty funny too. I didn't see it coming. See, this is the kind of stuff that, like, I don't know. I guess I just, once again, wasn't in the mood for the shenanigans. And I just didn't dig it. And I only gave this There's match, match one point. later where I feel the same way, but yeah, we'll get to that. I think that's yeah. night 13 or 12. We'll get there. We'll get there. Just sometimes you're not in the mood for shenanigans. And while I was watching this match, I wasn't up for it. I thought the opening little shenanigans were funny, but then I was hoping they would at least have a little bit of a match. It wasn't really a match. 1.75 stars. Uh, 10 minutes and 13 seconds, though. It went on for a while. I, uh... I'm starting to get back into Tom Lawler. Like first, cause it's been a while since I've seen him and I never really seen him like the gimmick ish that he's doing now, but I'm starting to get into it with maybe it's because of his commentary. Maybe just because I don't know. He's funny. Uh, yeah. I I've been digging it. We saw Tom Lawler live in person at MLW. warrior wrestling. We saw him at MLW. Yes, we did. You and I, that was, but that was also a very different Tom Lawler. I saw him recently at Warrior Wrestling, and his nasty, uh, Tom or filthy Tom Lawler gimmick, which is still very weird to me. Like first time I saw Tom Lawler, Tom Lawler, he was so serious, and now he's he just was still as, filthy. He's yeah. always been filthy, but yeah, it's changed. And now he has the Daisy Dukes, and then the Daisy Duke trunks. Yeah. We we those will become those will come up multiple times throughout the rest of these uh, wrestling coverage that we're going to talk about. Okay, let's move on. B block. on. Third match of night ten came to us from B block, and we had Sonata taking on Tamatanga. I did not write many notes for this one. In fact, I only wrote the finish for this one. Sure. So if you have any notes, you might as well uh, tickle the people's eardrums with uh, which your thoughts are. Yeah, I, I liked right away that uh, Kevin Kelly putting over that a left-hand handshake is always a bad uh, idea, which led to both going for the Paradise Lock. Doesn't happen, but then Sonata, of course, gets the Paradise Lock because he's the only man on the world who knows how to do it, even though everyone also tries to do it against him. 
Doesn't work though. Tama gets put in the paradise lock and unlocked with a big butt drop kick for two. And Tama then fires up. I mean, Sonata actually controlled the opening like five minutes of this match. It was really fast paced, but Sonata was just one step ahead till Tama fires up, hits a huge clothesline, get back into it. Tama beautiful drop kick into a back, back suplex for two. Uh, no Tama or Tongan twist. Sonata quickens the pace, uh, goes into a big drop kick, into a beautiful plancha. I think that's one of Sonata's greatest skills is, <coughs> excuse me, is that he can make his planchas just look so like impactful because he's such a big guy, but he can also make himself look small for a second as he goes over the top rope and then he kind of just like expands like a flying squirrel or something. And it's just, I really like Sonata. I love Sonata. He, yeah, because he doesn't look like he wrestles the style that he wrestles. And he's just interesting. There's something about him that, like, you're drawn to. Like, he has this aura. He fits perfectly in LIJ, too. Like, it's the tranquilness that he has. Yeah. It's, yeah, I love Sonata. Um, the only thing I wrote down was Tama wins with a gunstone. Yeah, uh, we still had uh, TKO countered into the Tongan twist, and both men were down. Uh, then Tama got up, uh, rolling DVD into a Supreme Flow from across the ring. Like, this is one of the longest jumps I'd seen in the G1 so far this year, where Sonata was definitely three-fourths of the way across the ring, and he still hit the Supreme Flow. Or is that what he calls it? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Supreme Flow across the ring. And this is the one time, because Lance Archer, I thought, was terrible on commentary for most of the night he was it felt like he was just trying to get himself over the whole time he was on commentary and like that's not what you're out there for at that point it just i don't know i just really didn't dig it except for one line right here because this is when tamatonga ripped off his shirt and sonata clearly had his shirt off and he looked at both of them and he's like eat a goddamn burger <laughs> and like i was just laughing at that like i was that one time in the night where i was like lance archer i feel you man because these guys are freaking ripped and they make all of us look like crap. And it's like, eat a fucking burger. Leave us alone. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then, yeah, Tama goes for gun stunt, reverses his. Uh, Sonata reverses into a cold skull. But Tama gets the ropes. Back and forth strife fest for 15 minutes. Tama hits Delano for close two. Sonata blocks multiple gun stuns. Twist gets Okada for roll. Uh, gets the Okada roll for a close two. But then Tama does hit the big gun stun. For the win, Tama gets two points. Sonata gets zero points. 16 minutes, 28 seconds. I gave this match 3.75 stars. I gave this match 3.25 stars. Oh, see? Maybe you just weren't in the mood to uh, watch the wrestling when you were watching this one. Uh, I think I was trying to... It was like you just cutting it under the wire before we recorded, and then we didn't go over it, so I don't know. Oh. Well, let's move on. Match four of night 10 comes to us from C Block. And this was Kenta taking on Hiroki Goto. I really liked the the setup uh, that Kevin Kelly gave during this match of Hiroki Goto. And like, how he keeps on talking about his son had three wishes this year. And one of them was to win the G1. And how he used to say that the G and G1 stood for Goto, but not anymore, not until he wins it. And I don't know, it just it makes him feel more important 
And like, it makes, I don't know. It makes me kind of like want to root for him. Like, I think Kevin Kelly's doing a really good job of portraying how, even though Goto has won it before, he's kind of, he's an underdog. So like, I really like, uh, all that aspect of it. Um, once again, I didn't take very many notes, so it's all you. Yeah, uh, my note for, and it's basically for every Goto match, is that every Goto match seems to start the exact same. It's kind of just this, like, headlock strike fast off, like, for the first, like, minute to two minutes. But then this match spilled right to the outside, and Kenta began to just hit a, hits a belt shot, and then a DDT on the outside, and Red Shoes has to count to make them come back in, because Kenta... Really doesn't like Goto, it seems, and is also for some reason obsessed with his ceremonial staff. And I like Kevin Kelly putting that over is one of my favorite things throughout this whole match. Not a staff. It didn't happen. One no. uh one night was it? It was the night that uh oh, what's his name? Tom Lawler was on commentary. They were talking about it. Yeah. And Tom Lawler's like, I know a lot about a lot of fighting, but he's like, I don't know anything about samurais. <laughs> I know it's not a staff. That's why I call it a ceremonial staff, because I can't remember what its actual name is, but I know it was kind of ceremonial, and the rings were used by the monks to warn other people if trouble was coming. So I remember everything about it. It was more of a defensive than an offensive weapon. Correct. But Kent is apparently obsessed with it, and they, they kept asking, why is he obsessed with it? And he's like, well, go ask him. And I was like, shut up, Lance Archer. Like, shut the hell up. You're just annoying me. Uh, but yeah, this match was kind of fun. Uh, Goto hits a big spinning lariat to get back into it, followed by a wheel kick and that bulldog he always does for a two count. He does do one of the best bulldogs in pro wrestling for sure. It definitely looks like it hurts, and I don't think it's this time he does it, but it's I think it's one on one of the next couple nights that Kevin Kelly brings up, and it's called a bulldog because he literally holds your head and grinds it down into the mat like he's you know bulling you into the thing. And I was like, oh, that's pretty fun. And Kevin Kelly is just such a great commentator. I just really enjoy Kevin Kelly. Uh, then we had a big power slam by Kenta into a top rope clothesline for two. Locks in the STF, but Goto gets the ropes. Sled into a big strike fest. Kenta looks to have the advantage for a minute, but big headbutt from Goto into a front kick and a Ushiguroji for the close two. This is once again the spot that I keep bringing up that I'm going to bring up a lot throughout the rest of these nights because it keeps happening in every single match where we have a strike fest into one of the guys hitting a headbutt. It's very common in this G1. Uh, Red Shoes gets taken down here, and this leads to shenanigans because clearly, you know, Kenta is Bullet Club and gives no fucks about the rules, even though he's still like a quasi-face with the crowd because they love him so much. Uh, Kenta goes, book. yeah. Kenta goes for Goto's stick, but pulls an Eddie and hits a big low blow instead. Koto goes for the GTR, but Kenta Kenta whacks him with the stick and then wrecks him with it. Big double stomp for close two. Blue Psycho knee for two, but then the huge GTS for the win by Kenta. Last little bit of this match just dominated by Kenta once Red Shoes went down. Kenta gets two points. Goto gets zero. That puts Kenta at two and Goto at four. 18 minutes and eight seconds. I gave this match three and a half stars. I did write for uh, the finish that Kenta won on the GTS on his second attempt after Goto blocked the first. Um, 
Yes, I, I liked this match. I gave it uh, 3.75 stars, and I'm glad that you took uh, good notes because I don't, yeah, I don't have anything. Yeah, I'm, I've, this is, uh, I've realized that I actually kind of enjoy taking notes on these kind of things, and I'd forgotten. I haven't really done, like, this kind of note-taking on the G1 since I did the G1 coverage by myself all those years ago. I have a sidebar, though. Sidebar! Ding! So, with... With them talking about uh, Kenta's book and talking about how it's already out of print because it's sold so fast and they're doing a second print of it, but it's only in Japanese. Doesn't it make you want to read it even more? Yes, and I will say also this is the second time on commentary during the thing that Lance Archer actually had a good line because he said Chris Charlton should just... uh, transcribe it or do an audiobook for it for all of us uh non-japanese speakers i was like that's a good fucking idea it would sell like hotcakes yeah because i don't know like not being able to read it makes me want to read it even more yeah all right well it is time to our main event of night 10 and this came to us from d block and this was david finley taking on william osapre I, I don't have like spot for spot stuff, but from what I do remember of this match, it was pretty good back and forth. And yeah, it it was a really, really good match. I, I, I saw so I Chad uh, tell us all the spots. Yeah. Well, right away, uh, Billy the Goat had no time for pleasantries as David Finley had the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. And so right away, this match started out hot with Osprey trying to get uh, strikes in right away. But David took the advantage right away with a huge chop. Or, I mean, Will got the advantage right away with a huge chop that sent uh, Finley to the outside. Uh, Billy just began the assault on Finley's shoulder, which he's had problems with throughout his whole career on the outside. And you can feel the intensity of this match. I don't, like... Everyone, once again, he's a shit person. We all know he's got a terrible personality and he's done some shitty things in his past. But William Ospreay is probably the best wrestler on the planet. And commentary puts this over constantly. He's If he's not the best, he deserves to be in the conversation. I'll give you that. It's It's hard to say who the best is right now. It really is. But he deserves to be in that conversation. I'll give you that. That's That's not, you can't argue that at all. Uh, Finley uh, then finally charges back in with a corner uppercut and a second rope diving uppercut for a two count to get back into this match. Uh, Osprey hits the springboard flip kick and then a big slingshot to the outside. And I talked about how pretty Sonata's slingshot is. Well, there's one that's probably even prettier, and it's Will Osprey's. Like his is so much height, and he's like so targeted with it that I don't. Oh, he divides. It's so yeah. clean. Yeah, he defies gravity. He's one of those guys like Pac who just defies gravity when he starts flying through the air. And I don't I don't know how a human body does that in midair. And like the things that he can do, it's just wild. Uh, we then have a big springboard phenomenal forearm for a two count. Finley will not go away, though, and just keeps fighting back on Osprey no matter what he hits. A uh, huge super superplex by Finley for a two count. 
that was shades of once again Pac when he was in the WWE and using it as finisher for a while. So very old school where they're both standing on that top rope and that superplex, like it shook the ring and they're not big dudes. So you saw that impact. Uh, we have an apron Oz cutter that sends both men to the outside and uh, Finley almost got counted out in that spot. And William Ospreay was happy to take a count out victory. Doesn't get it though. Huge Oz cutter then for a 2.95 where Osprey definitely thought he had the win. And I thought the match was over for sure because there's no way in hell that I thought that David Finley was going to beat Will Osprey. Oz cutter countered into a stunner for a close two. Count followed with a slice bread for another close two. Dodges a hidden blade twice and hits the trash panda. David Finley does. Count goes to three and I jaw hit the floor. David Finley beats Will Ospreay, goes to six points, keeps Ospreay at four. At this point, takes the lead in the division or in the block. This match went 15 minutes, 28 seconds. I gave it four stars. So I'm going to you back up like a tad bit. When he countered the Oz cutter into the stunner, I thought that was the end right there. And then when he didn't get the win, it's like, okay, they're Will Ospreay is definitely going to win. Like that was his shot and it's going to be Will Ospreay. But yeah, when uh, Ospreay didn't hit the hidden blade when he got, when it was blocked both times and he hit the trash panda, I was pretty shocked too. And all I could think about was how the first, week we did recordings for the G1. You talked about how it was David Finley's first G1. No one ever fares well on their first G1. And all of a sudden he just rattled off three wins in a row and as the lead in the D block. It it's nuts. I also gave this match four stars. It was a great match and the finish was surprising and it left you with a good feeling going forward. Because yeah it's always good when they when they have a good match to end it, because then you're happy. When that shitty match is to end it, like there, I think there's one coming up. Uh, you're not very, you're not very happy. You no, don't want to watch the next night. Yeah, puts a bad taste in your mouth. Uh, I did tabulate my score at this point. I think I did not. I forgot to tabulate my score. Maybe I'll do it one, during one of our breaks while we're recording. Because, folks, we don't actually do this straight through when we do these recordings. But at this point. You were beating me in our predictions because I was 26 and 16 at this point. And I think you were, I think you remember saying you were like 28 and 14 or something like that. Uh, after night 10, I'm 27 and 15. Yeah. So you're one up on me. So I, I put a little like W or L. I go through each match. I started doing that so that I don't have to look back later. Yeah. It, it saves a lot of time. So I have all my, after every night, I've, calculated my record so far and i'm actually doing pretty well yeah i think i just have to do uh last night's or today's action for to add on to my uh predictions and i will tell you no i'm doing quite well except in d block d block has been the bane of my existence i haven't like uh broke it down by blocks i've just done it as a total but i i might do that Oh, I just know because I've been changing my wins to green and my losses to red, and D block is very red. <laughs> I haven't done that. I just been keeping track in my notebook. Yeah, no, I, I maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that. That's a good idea. Yeah, it's kind of fun to see it. I've also gotten every Hanare match right so far. Every match Hanare's wrestled, I've got it right. 
Okay, back on to the actual coverage of the G1, though, and not our predictions that we did before the G1. We're moving on to Night 11, which, what was the date on Night 11, Diesel? August 5th, 2022. Very nice. All right, we start off in D-Block action, and this is D-Block. There's a lot of Bullet Club versus Bullet Club matches coming up, and they are awesome. Uh, I love them. And so this is our first one. We got Rockard Juice Robinson taking on the Tokyo Pimp Yujiro Takahashi. Um, this year, I am really liking Yujiro. Like usually, it's just like you just meh. But like even with being part of uh, the House of Torture, he's I still am digging him. Everyone else. Uh, evil and show. Just get the fuck out of here. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, this match, I actually wrote a couple notes for this one. Uh, I have at the beginning, Juice for goes to Too Sweet and attack show and Yujiro to get the upper hand. Um, this basically turns into like a handicap match for a minute just because Juice is taking both of them out. Um like juice was like i mean he's been super animated since he's been rock hard but he like he was really getting into it with the ref and like it, that wasn't very smart because there was like times where he could have been capitalizing and instead of after like a close like a near fall for two he get into it with the ref instead of an argue with the ref um yeah and then i also have wrench shenanigans those are all my notes besides the finish. Yeah, I don't have uh, too many uh, notes for this one. I had the no too sweet to start this contest, and Juice has early advantage. Juice has no time for Show's bullshit and immediately just starts assaulting Show and Huge on the outside. Rips up the outside mats, uh, but Huge fights back, and it's a huge uh, fisherman's buster for close to. Then the intercollegiate slam for another two count before uh, Juice uses his size and it, for advantage. Hits big cannonball and a juice box for two count. Gets into the rest face afterwards. Just no time. Like, rock hard Juice Robinson hates referees more than he hates anything else, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Huge hits a big DDT and then Pimp Juice for a close two. Ref ends up going down. Pimp Kane gets involved. Goes uh, big strike into the nether regions of Juice before a big strike to the face juice or i mean uh yujiro hits big juice for three count juice furious afterwards yujiro once again goes to two more points now he's at four juice gets zero points stays at two 11 minutes 36 seconds 3.25 stars and i also agree yujiro has been quite good this year for the g1 when usually he's just out there to take the pinfalls this like splitting of the blocks into four has really benefited those guys like Yujiro. Even like uh, Yoshihashi as well. Yeah. But uh, this match, it was okay. I gave it 2.75. Yeah. See, you know, you just don't know. Different uh, different strokes for different folks. What did you give it? Oh, I said 3.25. Oh, I didn't hear you. Not a problem. All right, well, let's move on to match number two from Night 11. And this was B-Block action. And this was Chase Owens, the crown jewel, taking on Tai Chi. Yeah, I uh, like the start of this match where they 
were teasing, like doing sumo. And also like, every a pack time, off. Yeah, yeah. Except uh who's on commentary this night? Was this the night that was uh, uh I think Chris Charlton was back for night eleven, I want to say. I'm pretty sure. Oh no, it was Tom Waller again. It, it was Tom, Tom Waller again. He made a joke about how uh Chase can't do that. And uh anyways, but yeah, so like every time they get set to do the to get do a sumo or whatever, I don't know. I don't watch sumo wrestling. I don't even know what a match. I think it's a sumo doing. match. Yeah, well, they getting they're getting in their stance. Chase would like come out nah. and then eventually he came and he attacked him. Uh Chase was targeting Tai Chi's ribs during this match. Uh there was a spot on the outside, it wasn't really a spot, but Chase uh was asking Miho for kisses on three separate occasions, and then she wouldn't do it. She kept on him, told him no, and told him to shut up. And then he, he would told blast her she was Tai Chi. Yeah, and he did. He beat the shit out of Tai Chi. Uh, but and he also had the match won, and he pulled Tai Chi's shoulders off the uh, mat after a wicked C trigger. Yep, and. Yeah. Kevin Kelly said it would bite him in the butt right then. And what do you got for your notes? Uh, basically, yeah, you hit everything I did. Uh, tai Chi goes for a knee, but uh, Chase dodged it early on and hits a big C trigger. That was uh, Chase's main offense throughout this whole match. He was just rocking Tai Chi over and over with C triggers. Uh, we got a nice Northern Light suplex from Chase, which doesn't break out that often, but it's been used a little more on this G1, I feel like. Uh, then we had the whole Chase asking for a kiss from uh, Miho and her saying no, and then him just blasting Taiji over and over in the face with C-triggers. Uh, got a close two each time. Uh, Kamagiri by Taichi gets him back into it, and Taichi becomes a big comeback. Big Saito suplex by Taichi for two, followed by the pants rip-off spot. But Chase counters with... A wicked super kick. I feel like Chase's uh, super kick has improved more than anything else. Like, he's really gone down the vein of using everyone else who's ever been in Bullet Club's moves. Like, he's now trying for everything in the entire repertoire. Was it the match where he was going for the one-winged angel? Uh, No, that's the next match. That's the next time we see Chase Owens. Uh, But then we had a big shining wizard for close to... By Chase goes for a top rope knee, but results in a big enziguri by Tai Chi, and both men are down for a minute. Uh, wild back and forth finish where both men are going for their finishers, countering the package pile driver in the Black Mephisto until finally Tai Chi does lock it in, hits Black Mephisto, gets the three count. Tai Chi goes to four points, Chase stays at two. Uh, after the match, they get in the ring, and Miho is about to slap Chase uh, as Taichi holds him, but he escapes and wiggles out of the ring and then gets on commentary for a second saying, I hate him. Taichi is the worst. Miho's the worst. I fucking hate him. Uh, this match went 13 minutes and 25 seconds. 3.75 stars from Chad. I gave it 3.5 stars. Good match. I quite agree. Chase Owens has been a bright spot in every one of his matches. Really enjoyed him. And I can't wait to the end of the tournament because I'm going to go through and I'm going to add up everyone's star total. And I feel like I'm going to be quite surprised by who comes out in the lead for having the most like overall like average of stars. But we'll see. All right. 
Next match on night 11 comes to us from C Block, and this was Aaron Hanare taking on Tetsuya Naito. Yeah, this match, uh, it started off, Hanare was like all the offense. Like he was dominating Naito at the beginning of this match. But like Naito would pick his spots when, like, I don't, when Hanare would get tired or leave an opening. And he started targeting Hanare's neck. And, but I mean, other than that, that's basically the whole match. Like, besides naming off all the spots, it was Hanare dominating. Uh, he left himself open a couple times, and Naito would, like, attack the neck, and Naito eventually uh, countered into Destino for a near fall, and then got back up, and then hit another one, got the win. Yeah, no, I mean, that was really, like, I have a few notes about this match, but really, yeah, it, the story of this match, and I feel like this tournament, is every Aaron Hanare match is him dominating his opponent, and his opponent having to just pick there and choose their spots when they can get something in. And Hanare, I feel like, has been in control in every single one of his matches. And he was, once again, in control of this match. I mean, Naito hit a big single leg drop kick. It takes control for a minute. But then Hanare hit a curb stomp. Once again, Hanare just teeing off on Naito. A uh, big mid kick by Hanare for a two count. And then, but finally, Naito hits a huge swinging DDT. Uh, huge top rope Rana sends them all the way across the ring, which I thought was great, with Hanare and Naito both flipping. And Hanare literally reached the opposite side turnbuckle. Uh, Death, uh, we had a Zerker, or we had Destino countered into a Berserker bomb, which I do remember Tom Waller on commentary now because he was so impressed. He's like, I can't even do a sidewalk slam usually. And to do a spinning one into a power bomb, he's like, that's really impressive. Like, Tom Lawler was all about Hanare in this match. And it gets brought up again by Kevin Kelly on a later night, how much Tom Lawler loved Hanare, which I thought was an odd choice. But then, yeah, Ultimo hooked in deep, but Naito ends up getting the ropes. Naito ends up countering the Streets of Rage into a modified Destino, followed by the real Destino. Naito gets the win, goes to four points. Hanare stays at two points. 17 minutes, 31 seconds, three and a half stars from Chad. I gave it 3.25 stars, and yeah, it was a good match. I like I liked the Naito underdog story. It's the same every year, but like, it works. He, he, he knows his role, and he plays it well. Yes, I, I like me some Naito matches. There is, yeah, definitely a formula to them, and also a formula to his G1 action, it seems, but... You know, it's one of those formulas. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Let's move on, though, to our semi-main event of Night 11. And this came to us from A Block, the Monsters Block. And this was Jeff Cobb taking on the top dog, which we couldn't figure out last time, Jonah. Yeah, we knew it was a dog, though. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This match, it felt like the Jeff Cobb versus Bad Luck Folly match to me, where Bad Luck Folly had all of the offense and that Jonah for like the first like literally nine minutes of this match. It was like almost a squash match. Like Jeff Cobb couldn't get anything in. And it started off with a test of strength. And once Jonah overpowered him and you just it was like a squash match. And uh Jonah hit the torpedo for the win. Like it 
there was a long match, but like longest match for what it was. And I don't know. I just I thought it was gonna be exactly like Bad Luck Fall A match and Jeff Cobb was gonna come out, hit a tour of the islands and surprise Jonah and win, but that's not what happened. Yeah, I don't know. I I quite enjoyed this. My first note is Ichiban Kaiju Hoss off because they kept saying Ichiban Kaiju on uh, the commentary team. And I was like, I'm digging it. And it was a Hoss off. And you're right. Jonah dominated this opening contest for about nine minutes. Jeff Cobb couldn't even get Jonah off of his feet for most of it until he finally hit a huge clothesline that actually it was such a big clothesline that he sent himself like skittering past him and ended up in the corner. So he couldn't really follow up on it. Uh, jumbo jet collision where both of them went for cross bodies and then ended up both down on the mat. And I wrote big tree fall hard because I don't care who you are. If you're that big a dude, if you're just falling on your back, it's going to hurt for a minute. So both men were down for a minute. Uh, he had a huge overhead clutch suplex by Cobb for two, which I thought was really impressive. Jonah is not a small boy, and to toss him like that and make it look so effortlessly, you know, you got to throw it up. High five, Tom has picked a good favorite wrestler. I understand why you love yourself, some Jeff Cobb. Uh, we had a tour of the islands countered into a spear, and I don't know why I love a big boy doing a spear. I think it's way more impactful, especially when he's doing it on another big boy because, ooh, looked like I was going to shake the ring. We had a super kick into a huge lariat by two for Jonah. And we had Jonah, though, hitting a massive superplex, followed by the torpedo, getting the three count. Jonah goes to four points, and Cobb stays at four points. 14 minutes and 50 seconds, staying right at the average for A-block matches, which is 15 minutes. I gave this match 3.75 stars. This is probably one of the biggest discrepancies that we've had. So far, I gave it 2.5. I just didn't dig it. Oh. I was digging it. I don't know. I, I was really into this Hoss fight for some reason. But let us move on to the main event of Night 11. And this was C-Block action. And this was Evil taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi. I hated this fucking match like you know how you felt about the tom lawler uh uh yano match i fucking hated this match and i i gave it the rating that i gave it only for tanahashi and not for evil if tanahashi wasn't in this match it would have been it wouldn't even rated it uh the only things i wrote down was the spot where dick togo rang the bell when Tanahashi had the cloverleaf hooked in. And then I also wrote that uh, Tana also had the match won and show pulled him off. And then Tana won by a roll-up. But I just, too much goddamn shenanigans in this fucking match. It just, it was too much. I'm so fucking sick of the house of torture. Like, done. I'm done with it. I didn't like it. You have two stars just because of Tanahashi. Wow, this is going to be our biggest discrepancy, though, because I actually really enjoyed this match. I thought it was the right amount of shenanigans because of what the finish ended up being. Now, if Evil would have won this match, I do agree that I would have been really pissed off and been, you know, probably in the same camp as you. But since it came out with the conquering hero taking down the whole house of torture with multiple dick punches, 
I just really enjoyed it. I couldn't get in. Like, they're just too much. It didn't matter the outcome for me. Like, and this has been like festering for like the whole tournament. And like even back into the best of the super juniors, like fucking I'm sick of House of Torture. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking I, a stand. I, I they that's and that's your choice, man. You know, I I feel like the House of Torture, while I hate them, I also have to respect they are very, very old school bullet club. Like old school bullet club was all about the shenanigans. And you know, House of Torture, a lot about the shenanigans. So I can't can't totally hate on him. Uh, we don't have to go through this match since Cecil is so upset about it. It was a back and forth contest. A lot of shenanigans with Dick Togo and Show out there. Uh, there was a couple great like chair tosses by Evil. I think Evil is one of the best wrestlers at throwing chairs at other wrestlers. It always looks super impactful, and I love it. Uh, the finish of the match was Evil goes for everything is evil, but Tana counters. With the Cobra pin, which I guess is just called, I called, I thought it was called the Grand Cobra, but apparently it's just called the Cobra. Uh, for the three count, Tana goes to six points. Evil stays at two. Uh, after the match, Evil gets blasted in the balls, and all three members of the House of Torture end the night crawling up the apron on their butt, on their butts, holding their groins. And I thought that was a great little image, but I gave this match four stars. I gave it two. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a little bit of a discrepancy. Two star. I think it's definitely our biggest discrepancy. Do you have your record after night eleven? I do actually. I was uh twenty-eight and nineteen after night eleven. After night eleven, I'm thirty-one and sixteen. I went four and five. Yeah, I I, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let us, though, keep keep on keeping on to the next night. We move on to night 12, which, what was the date, Diesel? August 6th, 2022. All right, and uh, we started off night 12 with D-Block action, and this was El Fantasmo taking on Yoshihashi. Yes, uh, once again, didn't do a great job with my notes. Um, better than some nights, but... Still pretty shoddy. All I wrote for this one was Yoshihashi has an answer for everything that ELP does. From what I remember from this match, like ELP was pulling out all the stops, but every time he would hit Yoshihashi with a big move, Yoshihashi would either counter it or kick out and then go on the offense. So it didn't matter what ELP did, but Yoshihashi always kind of had the upper hand in the long run. Yeah, I mean, the opening of this match was, it was uh, ELP just throwing everything at the wind. Uh, the big two-sweet moonsault, followed by the big springboard moonsault. But then, yeah, Yoshihashi would always come back, big strikes. I mean, ELP even hit a springboard crossbody into a roll, into a lion salt, and that was still only good enough for two. And then, this is when Yoshihashi really started dominating. Yoshihashi hit this basement dropkick where ELP literally skidded on his face. And I don't know exactly how he did it without breaking his nose, 
or hurting himself really badly because he was up on his face for a good like three seconds and just in that position after the basement drop kick and it was absolutely wild i was like "Ooh!" like at first thought he might be actually hurt but he's fine uh elp really selling the damage though after that on the knee like he could not you know move properly after that uh he does hit the sudden death though but can't follow up because his knee is so hurt the crowd was really hot for this opening contest yoshihashi and elp are both really popular now uh get a ufo into the thunder kiss but once again can only get the two count on yoshi we had a huge lariat into the fisherman brain buster by yoshi for two but then yoshihashi after a bunch of counters of the cr2 Hits a Canadian Destroyer into Karma for the three count. Yoshihashi gets another two points. Goes to four. ELP stays at two. Almost eliminated at this point, but not quite. This match went 15 minutes and 47 seconds. I gave this match 3.25 stars. I like this match more than you did. I gave it 3.75 stars. I thought it was a really good opener. And I am also liking what I've been seeing out of Yoshihashi throughout this tournament. Somebody that over the years I haven't really been that into. So I really like this match. ELP is the man. I'm sorry. I missed what you said. You gave it. I gave it a 3.75. 3.75. All right. Nice. Yeah. That's it. You know, I don't, I don't disagree. I might've given it a couple uh, extra bump ups. If uh, ELP would have actually gotten the win here. I was really rooting for ELP to win. All right. Next match on the card comes to us from a block, the monsters block on night 12. And this was everybody must die. Lance Archer, the murder Hawk himself taking on Toriano. And I can tell you right away, I have three notes. And they are... I have two notes plus the finish, but go ahead. Yeah, I have shenanigans, 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 shenanigans. Pounce! At the five-minute mark. And then step up knee into blackout for a win. Yeah, I have... Archer tapes Yano to barricade, but Yano has scissors, and the referee had to slow his count so Yano can make it in before the 20. It was <laughs> he definitely should have been counted out. Oh, yeah. Um, then I also have Yano taped Archer to a young lion through the guardrail on the outside, and then Archer had to pull the young lion through the guardrail, and then bring him into the ring with him to break the count. And then they did a double clothesline, which was, it was kind of a cool spot. Like it was inventive, but, and then I also have Archer step up knee, then blackout for a win. Um, yeah. I mean, with that spot, it was that spot gave this match a 0.25 for me um, higher than it would have been. And it's still only got 2.25. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and just so everyone at home who's keeping track, we are now at three Monty Brown references for the G1 tournament this year because, once again, after the pounds, Kevin Kelly brings it up every time. But, yes, I gave this match 1.75 stars. Uh, I went nine minutes and 14 seconds. Archer now has four points, and Yano still has two points. You got to admit that double clothesline spot is pretty inventive. Yeah, it was fine. I've seen your Toriano tape people together i've i'm just i'm done i'm toriano i'm just done with i'm taking a stand unless he's the crazy evil toriano i'm done done with it 
You, you, I'll still like them. And then uh, JCB, we'll, uh, we'll celebrate Toriano victories together. Cool. Great. I'm happy for you guys. We're going to move on to the next match on night 12. And this was ZSJ. Oh, this was C-Block action. Sorry. And this was ZSJ taking on Hiroki Goto. Um, all I really wrote for this one was ZSJ gives Goto a beating and like severely works over the arm. Yeah, that was kind of the story of this entire match where ZSJ couldn't strike with Goto, but every strike that he was taking was always to sucker him in to get to that arm. And ZSJ throughout this entire match was just decimating that arm throughout the entire contest. I mean, Goto was hitting big moves, big lariats by Goto's left and right. Uh, once again, ZSJ couldn't strike with Goto, but just back to the shoulder to keep advantage till Goto hits a big reverse GTR. Ushigaroshi countered into uh, ZSJ going for kind of the uh, abdominal stretch, but Goto was so strong that he just powered him back up and actually hit the Ushigaroshi anyways. Uh, a couple big kickouts by one by both guys after a big penalty kick and another Ushigaroshi by Goto. Uh, but then, yeah, it just really came down to the fact that ZSJ is a very technically smart wrestler, picked his target, being that arm, and did not stop going for it. Goes for a cross arm breaker, but Goto manages to get the ropes. Shoto, uh, his one-man tag team finisher with a turnbuckle, which I love the fact they put over every time that he uses the turnbuckle as his tag team partner for it. I don't know why it makes me smile. Uh, but he his arm's injured, so he can't go for the pin. Uh, hits the GTW, but can't pin immediately. Once again, because of that hurt arm, so ZSJ kicks out at two. Uh, ZSJ, though, after this, just with some wicked submission skills, goes from a triangle to an arm breaker on Goto. And Goto has no choice but to tap out at this point after all the damage has been done. ZSJ gets another win, goes to six points. Goto stays at four. This match went 17 minutes and 31 seconds, and I gave it three and a half stars. I also gave it three and a half stars. I like the whole story with Goto, like I said earlier, how it just it feels... I don't know. It it feels like there's a reason to root for him. You knew that Zack Sabre Jr. was most likely going to win this match, but at the same time, like the fight that Goto has in, in every single match, it's I, I like his story throughout the tournament. Like, um, I like how you can also branch off a few different stories through from a few different people in this tournament. That's what kind of makes the G1 cool. But yeah, I also gave it three and a half stars. Hey, I like when we actually agree on a star rating. It's the first time we've done that in a while for this G1. All right. Still got a lot of matches to cover, though, so we'll keep on keeping on. Next, we go to B Block, and this was the Great Ocon taking on the Catalyst himself, Jay White. So, that once again, I didn't write much. Uh, all I have is Jade damages Great Ocon's knee. Nice. I got uh, the I got the finish. You want me to say the finish? Uh, well, I'll let you say the finish in a minute. Okay. 
Uh, so this match really came down to, once again, Jay White's heel shenanigans are amazing. But Great Khan was going to, once again, try and out-wrestle his appoint- opponent, which made sense because as they put over on commentary, while Jay White, you know, knows how to wrestle, he definitely is in no class of wrestling like the Great Khan is, who has been trained in this for many multitude of years. So... Uh, we had a kind of just that going back and forth, Khan firing away to start match, but Gato ends up distracting him, and that ends up an assault from the legs on Khan. As you said, Jay White focused his whole assault on the knees. Khan battles back, but Dre, but Jay hits a dragon screw from the apron, hits a blade buster for two, complete shot into a deadlift German, and a big Uranagi uh, for two by Jay. Jay dominated most of this match. I mean, he's Jay White. He's the IWGP heavyweight champion. He's supposed to. Uh, we do get some uh, little Great Khan offense with a throat thrust, followed by the Mongolian chop. Gets Khan back into it till Jay slips out the back and hits the uh, sleeper suplex. And then, yes, how did the match finish there, Diesel? I have Jay White went for the Blade Runner and was blocked with the claw. But Jay White broke the grip of the claw. Then he hit the Blade Runner. But when he landed the move, um, Gurukhan still had the claw on him. He had to fight out of the claw to get the pin, and Jay White got the win. I I actually enjoyed that finish. It was pretty fun. I I did. I enjoyed the finish as well. Uh, Jay White goes to eight points, and the Great Okan stays at zero uh, but yeah, I gave this match 3.25 stars. Thought it was fun. And just once again, Jay White, you know, he's a champion. He should be winning matches like this. And Khan got some offense in there here and there. But Jay White with Gato out there is, you know, the better tactician. I gave it 3.75 stars. I felt that Jay White actually elevated Grado Khan better than anyone else has so far in this tournament. I I would agree with that. All right, though, time for our main event of night 12. And this was a big one, folks, because this is what we all put our money in to see. We had D-block action, and this was Shingo Takagi taking on Billy the Goat, William Ospreay. Get him, Chad. I don't have anything. (laughs) Uh, I mean, this is... I really love the fact that Kevin Kelly was putting over the fact that he thinks this is the best rivalry in all of pro wrestling for this decade and i mean with the matches they've had the super juniors and other contests i mean it's hard to i don't think there's been enough matches to say it's the feud of the decade but i mean the matches they've had are indisputably some of the best pro wrestling you could ever watch so i mean i went into this match thinking with that kind of mentality i think this was a really good match it clearly wasn't as great as some of their other encounters. But uh, starting with wrestling to go back and forth, Shingo is the more powerful of the two, so controls it. Uh, But a big DDT reversal into a dropkick where Will literally did a next spring handspring uh, reversal to the DDT before hitting the dropkick. And then another huge plancha by Osprey, which once again, it's just beautiful to see. Uh, elbow left lariat by Shingo hits the big back body drop and clothesline to the outside. Uh, we have a twist and shout shout out to Tanahashi by Shingo. They gets a very close two count. Uh, Osprey hits the Osaka street cutter, which I think is one of the greatest named move ever. 
and I thought it was a fake name that just came from the wrestling video games, but they said it on New Japan commentary, so I'm going with it's real, and I love it. Uh, we got that. Both know each other so damn well. I mean, they were just reversing everything. It didn't matter what kind of move they were going for. Lariat, suplex, whatever. Both of them have wrestled so much that they have counters upon counters for the counters of every move that each of them have in their repertoire. Uh, We had a big counter, but Will hits the uh, hook kick, goes for a hidden blade, but Shingo counters into an arm lock and wrecks the right arm, and Shingo continues on the assault of that right arm for the rest of this match. This is about at the 15-minute mark of the match where Shingo really starts to focus on the right arm of Osprey, trying to eliminate the hidden blade. Uh, We had two big pump bombers, but Shingo can only get a two-count out of it. Shingo goes for another uh, SB, but Osprey counters and hits Made in Japan for two, which I thought was great that uh, Osprey stole the Made in Japan, but couldn't win with it. But then Shingo hits an Oz cutter, followed by two, and then a Poison Rana by Shingo, which I always think is impressive because Shingo is a big freaking dude. And for him flipping backwards like that and propelling Osprey, who can clearly do a backflip, but just great to see uh, Shingo fall by immediately followed by a hidden blade but once again that hurt elbow came into play because osprey couldn't make the cover because of the damage done will tries to kick shingo's head off at about the 20 minute mark Ozcutter countered into a backslide for two osprey with a huge spanish fly for two pumping bomber for two finally though last of the dragon is hit and will ends up staring at the lights taking the three count and shingo gets the win going to four points and leaving Will at four points as well. Match went 21 minutes and 55 seconds. I gave it four stars. The reason I didn't have very many notes is I was watching this one late on Sunday after like a long weekend. I watched night 11 and 12 back to back. This was the last match. I decided I just wanted to sit back. Um, I loved this match. It was it wasn't their best match that they've had, but I mean every match that they have is always a really good match. I also gave this match four stars. I didn't think it was better than four stars. I've they've had better than four stars, but this is one of the better matches in the entire tournament. Yeah, I would definitely agree that this was one of the better matches of the tournament so far. What's your record? Did you get it written down for this night? I did not write my record down for this night. Hey, I went uh, three and two on night twelve, bringing my record to thirty-four and eighteen. Wow, that's that's impressive. All right, uh, I will have my record by the end of this episode. I will have it tabulated. But let us move on to our next night of action. This is night lucky number thirteen. And what was the date for this night, Diesel? August 7th, 2022. Yes, and we kick off night 13 with C-Block action. And this was Diesel's favorite G1 participant this year, Evil, taking on Aaron Hanare. Yes, my first note is I hate House of Torture. That's all I can think right now. Um, I also wrote Hanare, big strong boy on the outside. Just uh, taking both guys out at the same time. He is a big, strong boy. Um, And another spot I really liked from this match was when 
uh, Evil was cheating, and the referee was trying to like smack his like I don't remember exactly what he was doing. He was trying to like basically pull Evil away, but when he went to do that, Evil ducked and he slapped Hanare across the head. Oh yeah, and Hanare got all uh, pissed at the referee, which led to everything is evil after. The chair was thrown at uh, Hanare's face first, of course. Yep. But uh, it was all because Hanare got distracted by the ref. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have too many notes about this match because, yeah, it was just once again kind of Hanare dominating for the stretch as he could, but then the Dick Togo interference and also the ref slapping him and his own temper kind of got in his own way. Once again, though, I do love watching evil chuck chairs at people's heads. And then hitting everything is evil. Evil gets the two points, goes to four points, and stays mathematically alive in the G1 at this point. And Hanare stays at two and is mathematically eliminated from this year's G1 final action. Uh, he still got to wrestle his matches, but he's just been eliminated. Uh, match went 10 minutes and 28 seconds. I gave this match three stars. 2.25. All because of Aaron Hanare, none because of evil. Did you say 0.25? Yeah, 2.25. Oh, 2.25. I just heard the 0.25, and I was like, whoa, that's real low. (laughs) That would be disrespecting Hanare. Yeah. I thought Hanare did a pretty good job. I just feel like I'm sick of the House of Torture shenanigans, and it brings down every match that they're in. Hey, man, that's fair. That's That's your cross to bear right now. All right, though, let's move on to our second match from night 13. And this was from A Block, the Monsters Block. And this was filthy Tom Lawler taking on the rogue general, Bad Luck Fale. I didn't say this earlier, but I really like how uh, Tom Lawler's clap, like Tom Lawler, is the same as New Day Rocks. Yeah, it works exactly <laughs> the same, yeah. But every works. time he claps, every time he claps, that's all I think is new day rocks. New day rocks. Tom Lawler. Tom Lawler. Um, uh, my first note for this one is Lawler uh, was attacked before removing his Daisy Dukes. Yeah, like, keep his shorts Bad Luck on. Fale wasn't messing around. So at this point, Bad Luck Fale has four points, and he actually has a legit shot at maybe – maybe having a chance at the end, you know? Yeah. He's not out of it yet. Like, at he's this not. point, he's usually, like, got himself disqualified so many times that he's he's done. But, yeah, oh, he yeah. actually he's still he's still in the running. Um, I also have the – there's a spot where Fale buried Tom Lawler outside with all the barricades. Yeah. Because he's – He's been one of the guys that have been trying to win by countout. Um, but uh, Tito was outside and helped Tom Lawler get unburied and they got in the ring, I believe, 19. 18. Um, yep. Lawler right at the attacked, 18 count. Uh, Lawler attacks uh, Bad Luck Fale's leg. And while he's like grimacing and like regrouping he climbs under the ring crawls all the way under and then comes out and then he attacks the leg and puts him in another ankle lock from the outside which i thought was a pretty unique spot and then i'll get the nasty knee on the brain for the win and yeah tom waller there you go four points 
Yeah, no, I uh, I don't have too many notes at all that you didn't talk about right there. There's another big, beautiful spear from Bad Luck Fall A that absolutely cut the tinier Tom Lawler in half. Right, like his spear is something special. It it it's reminds like, it's like it's gore esque, yeah. but not the gore at all. Like, no, you know, yeah. it gets the same like it has the same effect as the gore. It's like getting hit by a bus. That's what it looks like every time to me, and I I love it. And uh, yeah, there was also uh, there was a spot where he did finally take off the Daisy Dukes, and he was choking Fall A with him. So I thought that was you know some comeuppance for Fall A for not letting him take him off earlier. Uh, Tom couldn't keep the advantage for a while just because of how powerful Fall A is. Uh, but then Fall A takes his head off with a big clothesline for two count. Uh, this is when I went bad for Fall A, though. He goes for the bad luck fall, but Tom counters into that sleeper. Then a nice DDT, kind of the, uh, uh, what's uh, what's uh, McIntyre call it? The Avershock or the, the future, future, shock. future Shock DDT, kind of DDT from Lawler, which led to the nasty knee to the brain, which, you know, it's a great move. And Tom Lawler gets a win. And I did not call this one. I know I got this match wrong because I only had uh, Lawler winning one match and it won this one. I actually got this one right. Uh, but I was also, when we made the picks, going with the tactic that Bad Luck Fale costs himself in a lot of matches. So I think maybe I had him winning one or two, and this wasn't one of them that I'm winning. Yeah. Um, this was a match. you know. I mean, it was fun, but like, if you're grading it on like a match skill, it's only 2.5. Uh, I gave this one a little bit higher. It was 11 minutes and five seconds. I thought this was one of Tom Lawler's better matches he's had so far. And I actually gave this match three stars. I mean, it was fun. I didn't uh, hate it. Yeah. Like some 2.5 matches I didn't like, but like this one I actually liked. Yeah. All right, time to keep on moving on night 13. And this next match is D-Block action. And this match, I will say, before we even talk about it at all, I really, really enjoyed this match. And it's probably not everyone's cup of tea for how it started and everything, but I really, really dug it. But this was El Fantasmo taking on Rockard Juice Robinson. The I I graded this match like the last match. It wasn't like a great like match, in-ring match. It didn't mean I didn't like it because I did like this match. It was a lot of fun. Like right away I wrote fun and games and then they had uh I'm forgetting all the specific spots, but like they had the arm wrestling match on the outside and yeah, so then, it, like, they were all cool at first, and then eventually it led to them not being cool because El Fantasmo cheated on the arm wrestling match. And so then uh, they started fighting, which led to them going up the ramp, and then Juice hit the pile driver on top of the ramp, came back down to the ring and trying to get the count out. And I think uh, ELP is the best at that spot because he starts walking backwards and he falls down and he had he had the best one. Like he was almost in the ring and he knocked into the ring. and he He's going to Yoshihashi down. himself. <laughs> like, yeah, what a great, like what a great spot that was. Um, I also have, then there was a spot with the table where they played or did the arm wrestling where uh, ELP just pounded Juice's head 
through the Japanese table. You know those ones aren't any jokes. Yeah. And he put a juice-sized hole, like head hole, in this table, and juice is bleeding. And, yeah, it was – yeah, they – by the end of this match, I don't think they were friends anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. They did not like each other after this. Um, and then it got to the point where uh, the, they got a chair involved. Uh, referee didn't see Juice using the chair, but then he saw uh, ELP holding up the chair. And right in front of the referee, chucks it at Juice. And the referee's like, dude, like, what are you doing? It's, it's over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, uh, just a few things I want to add on there from my notes that you didn't talk about. Yeah, the first... Beginning of the match was the too sweet bullet club for life where he's like, what's, Hey, what's the back of my jacket say? Oh, bullet club. Oh, what do your pants say? Bullet club. Oh, what does my jacket say? Bullet club. And they did the whole too sweet thing. His jacket was pretty badass. I mean, El Phantasmo's light up jacket is something I love. And it reminds me like of old school Jericho, but also ramped up by like a thousand. Like it's Jericho's old jacket. Yeah. Uh, but then we did. We had the nice arm ringer chain wrestling, slow mo wrestling to begin it, where they were chanting and clearly just messing around. Then they both tried to cheat to get a quick roll up victory, where Phantasmo put his feet on the ropes and then yeah, Juice yeah. grabbed the tights, and this made, led to them looking like they were gonna like it was gonna shoot off right there. But instead, then they went and had the arm wrestling contest, which then did lead to clearly, as Diesel stated. The cheating of El Phantasmo to the pile driver. Yeah, uh, there was that, that spot with the fart. Yep, right away at the beginning. The ref. Yep, who who <laughs> farted the ref? Uh, they also bashed into each other's heads when they tried to both push the ref, and the ref just yeah. ducked out of the way right away at the beginning. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, the match got real serious real fast. And this is actually, so we were talking about the one-winged angel that we thought Chase tried to hit. It was actually El Phantasmo who did it because he also pays homage to everyone else who's been in Bullet Club because he hit a Styles Clash for a close two count. And then he hit a wicked V-trigger and went for the one-winged angel, but he's never been able to hit it. And that continued, and he didn't hit it. Uh, Right-handed God by juice but elp immediately counters it with a sudden death super kick for a close two uh juice counters the cr2 with a headbutt to the crotch uh hits the left hand of god and pulp friction but can only get the two and then clearly we had the finish as diesel described with the tossing of the chair and the ref being forced to dq him and comment kevin kelly and commentary talking like you know there's just there's no way to get around it. If you're on the outside of the ring, there's some, you know, plausible deniability. But he saw it, and you got to DQ him. Juice goes to four points and stays technically alive in the G1 for this year. ELP goes to two, or stays at two points, is eliminated mathematically from the G1. Match wins. Oh, he's yeah. not the D-block, like they talk about it, and night 15, I believe. The D-block is wide open still. Like, yeah. spoiler, D-block's he, wide open. Anybody can still win it. You're right. I forgot because of everything. So weird. Uh, but, yes, uh, this match went 16 minutes and 9 seconds, and I gave it 3.75 stars. I was thinking it was crazy that uh, it took all the way up until night 13 before there was the first DQ finish. And it's crazy because usually there's a few here and there. Yep. Um, but yeah, like I was wondering if they were even gonna do one this year. 
So, yeah, I mean, I wasn't mad about it. It's kind of a cheap win for Juice, but again, I don't know. He's he's starting to get the reputation of not being very good in the G1 anyways. Yeah. But, yeah, I gave this match three stars. I liked yeah. it. I liked it a lot. It just as a match as a whole, the finish as being a DQ, it was what it was. Three stars by me. Yeah, I as I said, I really like this match. And once again, it might not be everyone's cup of tea, but I dug it. All right, we'll keep on moving with night 13. We go to the B block now. And this match is the crown jewel, Chase Owens, taking on Tamahiro Ishii. And Chase Owens is just a badass. He just, just came out and like took it to like Ishii right away. And that's how everyone's been doing it. But I mean, that's what you gotta do because if you let Ishii start pounding on you, he's the stone pit bull for a reason. Um, I don't really have much from this match except for the finish. But uh yeah, Chase is a badass and he won with a package pile driver. I also the irony is not lost on me that uh he does the package pile driver and that's uh what Kevin Steen used to do but now he's Kevin Owens. It's it's a great little bit of uh irony. Uh yeah for this match right away Chase came out and you can tell there was definitely a different air about him. He te- he's mathematically eliminated from B block because B block is not that wide open. So this match and Ishii as well. So this match meant nothing in the grand scheme of the G1. This was all about pride. They put that over right away. And Chris Charlton and Chase Owens do not get along. Uh, and so there was a little shit talking from Chris Charlton during this match about Chase Owens and his pride and his commitment to pro wrestling. Uh, but Chape, uh, the big uh, Chase Owens last match too. He's the first one to finish up. Yeah. Uh, is this? I think this. No, he has one more match after this. Is he finishes, but not tonight. This is only night thirteen. I think he finishes on night fourteen or, or fifteen. Oh yeah, you're right. He's on fourteen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes. So Chase, the big spot in this is he hyperextends Ishii's knee in a really great spot you never see anyone do where he just like was sitting behind Ishii's leg and just pulled his knee straight back. And I was like, that's really smart because that hurts like a bitch. And that kind of played into the rest of the match where Ishii couldn't use his right knee and couldn't get as much of a base. Uh, Big strikes from both. Jewel heist by Chase for two. Uh, Dragon suplex by Ishii, but Chase stands right back up and hits a huge super kick for two, but he can't hit the package pile driver right after. Uh, Chase hits a rebound lariat, but Ishii hits a massive rebound headbutt to the chest, and both men are down. Huge lariat by Ishii for one, hits another, gets a two. This is at the 15-minute mark. And then just a crazy wild finish between C-triggers, headbutts, reversals of the package pile driver and the vertical drop brain buster until finally chase does lock in the package pile driver and gets the three count goes to four points ishii stays at two really doesn't matter after the match he goes over and kevin kelly like holds the mic up to him but instead of taking the mic he walks over and pulls the headset off of chris charlton and gets right in his face and it's like how about that for pride chris charlton huh got something to say now uh, but this match went 16 minutes and 50 seconds. I really loved this match. This was one of the best Chase Owens matches I've probably ever seen. I gave it four stars. It was not better than the 
Chase Owens Jay White match. I, I mean, but, by uh, my rating, I don't think I rated it higher, so I guess that's fair. I I didn't like it as much as you did. It was an okay match. I gave it a three point two five stars. Yeah, well, I mean, I was I in a better like mood. Like Chase Owens a lot. I was already on the high from the last match that I really enjoyed. So this this night, I feel like I was in a really good mood during all of these matches. So my ratings might be a little higher than they normally would be. Well, I uh, had a really bad day on Monday when I watched this show. So that's that's one of the reasons why I don't have very many notes. Monday was a shit show. But yeah. that's 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 not for this show to talk about. Anyways. That, that's real life stuff. <laughs> yep. All right, we keep moving on night 13. We're now back to the A block, the Monsters block. And this was Jonah taking on Okada in our main event. So basically, this match was interesting because Okada hadn't lost yet. And you're thinking to yourself, how is he going to beat Jonah? I mean, it's Okada, so any way he beats him is realistic. But how is he going to do it? Because Jonah has one loss, and it was by countout. No one's been able to pin or submit him yet. So I was like, how is Okada going to do this? Well, uh, spoiler alert, Okada didn't beat Jonah. It didn't happen. Uh, I didn't write many notes. I have, I have, I have chat for that, but I got the finish. Pretty yeah. detailed, I think. Well, let me break down how this match played out then, because I wasn't super excited for this match i don't know why i like jonah a lot and i like okada a lot but yeah i just i wasn't excited wait uh i think it's because his first couple matches were kind of overwhelming i think this match kind of jump-started something in him for me at least where like in his next match against lance archer lance archer the next uh, night 14 i uh had more i was more jacked for him yeah i really love the right away on commentary they were putting over the fact that he wants to be the top dog and he knows to be the top dog and consider the top dog the number one heel monster in new japan he has to beat okada and also then putting over the fact that okada sees himself as kind of a superhero defeating all of these you know foreigners who come into new japan and sometimes it's to his own detriment that he you know tries to beat them at his own game or their own game instead of these quick like roll up victories or a count out or anything like that that he has to actually beat these monsters uh but the match started with jonah just controlling the middle of the ring and okada could not gained control over it kept trying to either irish whip him go for forearms but jonah just kept squashing him like a bug uh this eventually led to okada getting knocked to the outside and jonah tried to go for a big standing splash from the apron where he dived at okada but okada dived out of the way sending jonah slamming into the barricade and this is when okada kind of got a little bit of a momentum for a while uh okada attempts a vertical suplex jonah because once again he just he can't help himself he, he wants to just slam the big guys uh on the entrance ramp but doesn't work and he ends up taking the standing splash for his troubles up on that hard floor and jonah's a big dude and just him throwing his belly into you it looks like it hurts like you get like your neck snaps and he just slammed okada did into that entrance ramp uh jonah launches okada into the guardrail and once more to leave Okada laying on the outside and takes until 18 Okada does to get in. 
Jonah would have been happy with the count out victory here, but doesn't get it. Uh, Jonah goes for the big corner splash, but Okada gets out of the way and almost wins with a schoolboy. Uh, and then also hits a big diving uh, uppercut, running elbows to take Jonah down finally. And then Okada breaks out the DDT on the inside and then on the outside of the ring, really trying to take the big man Jonah down. And this is when I really thought that Okada was like, all right, Okada's ramping up. Uh, he's clearly going to get the victory here. This is where we go. Like, this is how we're going to get there. It's going to be a DDT fest going out. Uh, Hugh, or Okada hits a huge top rope. Cope, or Tope Konhilo taking out Jonah and Tito, which I thought was great. This is the first time Tito really got involved in any of these matches that Jonah's had, where he was trying to distract Okada in little spots here. Not overly involved, but he was definitely on the outside causing some shit. Uh, Okada attempts a body slam, but ends up taking a massive spear and a senton from the big man, Jonah, for a ridiculously close two count. And this was at the 15-minute mark. And all of these monster matches in the A block, their average is 15 minutes. So this is already starting to go over the average of time for this. Uh, Jonah hits a huge two ropes or a second rope standing splash and a clothesline for another close two. Okada finally gets the body slam and a big soaring elbow drop. Can't get the pin. Okada hits a huge German suplex, but in going for the Rainmaker, Jonah is just too powerful and ends up trapping both of Okada's arms before just headbutting the shit out of him. But then how'd the match finish up there, Diesel? Well, uh, Okada went up to the top to hit his famous missile dropkick, but on the way down, Jonah caught him and powerbombed him, got up, powerbombed him for a second time, then climbed to the top rope, hit him with the torpedo. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, Okada's going to kick out of all of this? <laughs> like It just didn't happen. And Jonah won. <laughs> That's where my mind was going. That was like almost for sure that uh, Okada was going to get the win because he's Okada. But like, yeah, nope, Jonah won. Yeah, I was 100% like, wow, they're going to already have someone kick out a torpedo. And I was shocked. But no, Okada didn't kick out. Jonah goes to six points. Okada stays at six points, which means Jonah is the leader of the block with the tiebreaker over Okada. And this match went 21 minutes and 53 seconds. The longest match, I think, in A block action so far. And I gave this match four stars. On my like curve, like I really put it into consideration. Um, and on my curve, it fell on to 3.75 just by grading it with all the other four star matches. It was close, like I almost gave it that four stars, but yeah, I'm a tough grader. But um, this night as a whole, I went two and three, and my record at this point was 36 and 21. Yeah, I I did not write down my record yet for this one yet, but I'm getting there. All right, let's keep on keeping on, though. So, night 14, and what was the date, Diesel? August 9th, 2022. Yes, it was. Night 14 kicks off with D-Block action, and this was Yujiro taking on Yoshihashi. More fucking shenanigans from house of torture that's all i really gotta say about this match 
Other than that, I mean, it was actually a pretty solid match for the most part. Just the shenanigans brought it down for me again. But uh, I do have your or Yujiro got the win. Um, I can give you the finish, or you can go through notes if you want to. You tell me what you want, and I'll do it. Yeah, this match was it was good. It was another good uh, Yujiro match. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought right away the thing that caught me is that right away Yujiro used a chair on the outside, basically right in front of the referee, and ELP was on commentary, and Yujiro didn't get disqualified. So I just wrote, oh, poor ELP. Plus, ELP had all the stuff with Peter, and (laughs) Kevin Kelly kept bringing it up, and he was like, dude, shut up. Leave me alone. He was like, it's not fair. He's like, I hate them all. They all suck. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, this yeah. is kind of just, it was a back and forth match, some big heavy strikes from both of them. But yeah, I mean, there was a cool couple cool counters, but this was a pretty standard, I felt like, New Japan match. So how did it finish there, Diesel? Uh, there was a distracted ref show, hit a low blow on Yoshihashi, then hit him with the wrench, and then Yujiro hit Big Juice for the win. Yep, another big wrench shot by show, and Yujiro goes to six points. Probably the most points he's... across the jaw on that one. Yeah, probably the most points he's ever had in G1 action, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Go... I mean, he technically leads D-Block. Technically. Uh, Yoshiashi stays at four. This match went 13 minutes and 12 seconds, and I gave it three stars. I gave it 2.75 because I feel like that's the most I can give a House of Torture match. I can't be above that. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Uh, All right. We move on to our second match of night 14, and this came to us from B Block. And this one was Chase Owens taking on Sonata. This match, this match was actually a lot of fun where Sonata basically was like a cat and Chase Owens was like a mouse. And like he was just toying with Chase Owens the entire match. And eventually until Sonata is just like, okay, I got this. And uh, Sonata won this match in the skull end, but not because Chase Owens tapped out because he passed out. So... Yeah, but I liked this match, and I liked my analogy, too, because that's what it felt like to me. It was just a cat, like, playing with the mouse. Yeah, no, Sonata always felt like he was in control. The match started out with some good wrestling to start the match. Uh, but then we had the Paradise lock-off, as we have to have in every Sonata match, apparently, where Chase tried to lock him in the Paradise lock, but clearly couldn't, because Sonata's the only one who can do it. I uh, got the big butt drop kick. Except for Yano. Yeah, except for Yano. Uh, then I, we did have a great, I thought it was awesome to chase kind of fake Sonata out when he was out on the apron, like Sonata, like tried to duck in to go for the shoulder, but chase stopped and just kicked him right in the face, uh, before he hit a wicked rope assisted neck breaker, uh, targets once again, the orbital bone of Sonata, which everyone in this G1 has been targeting because it just healed up. Uh, chase misses an elbow drop and it opens the door for Sonata, who it's a big drop kick and his beautiful plancha. Uh, Sonata was uh, Sonata was bounced into the ropes and then locked into a bully choke for a great transition into a crossface. I mean, Chase is really improved. I always thought Chase was kind of just a glorified jobber in New Japan for a lot of his career, and to no detriment to him, like he's carved out a good niche career over there in New Japan. But these past like couple years and the things I've seen of him, he's really upped his game 
and seems to really be trying to put more into these matches. And I absolutely love it. Uh, we had a huge second rope snapmare by Chase Owens, which I think he's the only one I ever see do a snapmare from the second rope where his opponent's sitting up there on the second rope and he just snapmares him down by their neck. It looks really painful. And I don't feel like it's a safe move to do to people. And I don't think you should do it. But it looks cool. And then, yeah, we have uh, Chase counters in a cotter roll into a dragon sleeper of his own. But, of course, Sonata gets out because it's his move and he knows it better than anyone. Sonata hits the pop-up TKO, which, once again, you can't do a pop-up TKO. It doesn't make any sense. It's just the RKO. Just be honest about it. Into a moonsault, but only gets the two count, but then locks in that skull and immediately, and as Diesel said, Chase passes out, does not tap out. And it does feel like New Japan is really trying to build up Chase Owens, which I love. Match went 12 minutes, 45 seconds. Sonata goes to six points. Chase stays at four. B-Block is still open yet closed for a couple guys. And I gave this match three and a half stars. Yeah, obviously, B-Block is going down to uh, the final night of block matches. Because it's going to be between Tomatonga and Jay White. Just, just so you know. Um, anyways, I gave it 3.25 stars. It was a fun match. Chase Owens is the first one done with block action. So we're getting, we're getting close to the end. There's still about a week left, but we're getting there. Yeah, it's crazy how fast this finish line is kind of approaching us for the end. And with Chase Owens already finishing, it's definitely different with how this whole four-block system is working. And... As we approach the finish, I mean, I'm still going to wait till the actual end and everything is said and done to get my final verdict. But I think I kind of like the four-block system. Yeah, I I don't have an issue with it. Like, I like it too. I Like I said at the beginning, I kind of hope that they keep the best of the Super Juniors to two blocks so we get both tournaments still. They feel a little different from each other. I would agree. I think you should uh, keep it different. And that, you know, kind of makes both of them special in their own ways. All right, let's continue on with night 14, though. And we stay in B block, actually, for this next one. Because our next match was Tai Chi taking on Tamatanga. I liked this match. I liked that it was all revolved around Tai Chi's iron glove and his evil ways. Because he's been pretty much baby-faced throughout this whole tournament. This match, he decided he was going to be healed because he's going up against the good bad guy. And and they both like, have a long I'm, history with that iron glove. And I uh, I really liked uh, the quote from uh, Kevin Kelly about, like, it's calling to him, just like Jumanji. It's the idol. <laughs> and, like, yeah. I, just, I really liked that. And, Kevin like Kelly how... definitely made this feel really special for that glove, like especially for people who wouldn't have any reference point because there's a lot of new watchers of the G1 every year. So there's a lot of people who have no idea what that iron glove is. And he did a great job of putting over its historical significance and the importance of the evil voodoo that's on it. And like yeah, you could see Tai Chi fighting it the whole time. Like, should he use it? Should he not? match like revolved around and like so I had that like story but then also like 
the like moves they were doing, it was allowing like a reason for one or the other to take advantage of the other because that glove was all they could think about. And yeah, what do you, what do you got for the notes? Yeah, I mean, you kind of nailed most of it for me. I mean, yeah, just the the exposing of the glove to Tamatonga, I thought was absolutely great where it looked like he literally saw a dead body or something when that glove was shown to him for the first time. I thought that was just great. Like their facial expressions and their storytelling throughout this whole match, not just the actual wrestling itself, I thought was on point for the whole thing. Uh, we had the wonderful, nice rolling Death Valley driver that Tamatonga pulls off constantly now into the Supreme Flow before he removes his shirt. Uh, I forgot right before that, we had the Tai Chi setting up to go for the buzzsaw kick, and he ripped his pants off, but that's when the glove really struck him, and instead of going for the buzzsaw kick, he stared at the glove, which allowed Tamatonga to take back the advantage. Uh, we had a bunch more glove shenanigans after that. Uh, he Then Tamatonga finally, though, overpowers the urge and goes for the gun stun. Can't hit it, though. Tai Chi hits a very nasty, dangerous suplex, I think is what he calls it. His Saito suplex for a very close two count. Uh, we had a clothesline off into a strike off. Once again, the common spot that you got to have at least once a night. We had it here in the Tai Chi uh, Tamatanga match where they both had their shirts off and were just wrecking each other for a minute. Uh, then finally, though, uh, looked like Tai Chi was going to hit the Yokozuna strike. And instead, Tamatanga countered it into the gun stun. One, two, three for the win. Tama stays alive in the G1, goes to six points. Tai Chi is, I don't think, technically eliminated yet because I don't think he's faced Jay White, but it's not looking good for him. Yeah, I mean, he's all but eliminated. I think mathematically he's still alive. But yeah, yeah I really liked how the finish like when Tai Chi went to do sumo style and Jay White just goes surprise motherfucker and hits him with a stun gun yeah a gun stun yeah that's it was great gun. that'd be something that'd be something totally different that'd be that'd probably be Kevin Nash and not uh Tom Tonga correct anyways, yeah I, I like this match this is my favorite match of night 14 I gave it a 3.75 uh, I was a little under that. I thought it deserved a little more time. It went 16 minutes and 53 seconds. I loved the glove shenanigans, but I thought at times it went a little overboard with it. I wanted a little more pro wrestling. Still liked it a lot, though. Gave it three and a half stars. I just liked the surprise motherfucker with the no. gun son. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to our next match from night 14. And this came to us from A Block, the Monsters Block. And this was Lance Archer, the murder hawk himself, taking on Jonah, the top dog. I feel like throughout the tournament, these guys both have had some underwhelming matches. So like I wasn't like super psyched to, to like see this match. I mean, I kind of was because I know it was the first time they've ever faced off against each other. Um but I thought this match pretty much delivered. It was a lot of fun. Um, they ended up battling to the outside. And, like, for the first time, somebody actually, for a while, had the upper hand on Jonah. And there was that spot on the outside where Jonah was up against the guardrail. And Lance Archer went to do the cannonball. And then Tito dove in front of him and uh, saved Jonah. And then they were battling outside. The ref's counting. And... It's about like 14, and they both climb on the apron. Uh, 
Archer gets clotheslined over the top rope, like reverse way than you usually see it at probably like 18. And Jonah is going to climb back in the ring, but Archer knocks him off the apron and he doesn't get in, doesn't beat the 20 count. And Lance Archer is up to six points, which Jonah's at six points. Okada's at six points. This just got interesting. Yeah, no, A block is very wild right now. Yeah, I thought this was this was a fun match. I don't know. I didn't like it nearly as much as I've liked some of the other big man contests. I don't know if it's because I've seen so many of them already this tournament or what, but I just, I don't know. I wasn't as down for this match as I have been for some of the other ones. Uh, the One of my couple favorite spots is we once again, not another tried for a pounce spot, but Jonah's such a big guy that he just bounced right off, hit the ropes and leveled <laughs> Lance Archer with that standing splash. And I just thought it was great because Kevin Kelly clearly was about to yell, Pah! but it was like he didn't have time because Lance Archer was already on his back right after. Uh, we had the whole setup to the finish, which was uh, Lance Archer no-selling a massive powerbomb, which I didn't think that Jonah was going to be able to get Lance Archer up from up for. Not because he's not strong enough, just because of how freaking tall Lance Archer is, especially in comparison to Jonah, which I thought was kind of cool. This was the first time in the tournament where Jonah did look almost like an underdog. Like, he definitely wasn't an underdog at all, but he kind of looked it because Lance Archer is such a big guy. But Lance Archer no-sold that power bomb, hit that step-up knee that he does as uh, he tried to climb up for the torpedo. But then... Uh, he countered once again the blackout, couldn't hit that. They both ended up on the outside of the ring. Jonah hit the big flying shoulder tackle on the outside. Then we had the whole counting shenanigans. And I think the ending is actually what took me out of it because Jonah clearly could have gotten in at like 18 and he had to just stagger around on the outside. I don't know if the ref didn't count fast enough or they just mistimed it. It's kind of hard to, you know, count that or time that 20 count, but I don't know. He could have clearly got in before the 20 count, but the finish was the count out. So Jonah stays at six. Archer goes to six. Match went 12 minutes and 43 seconds. I only gave this one 2.75. I like the finish. And he got knocked off the apron at 18, though. So, like, when his feet hit, like, yeah, he probably could have still slid in and beat the 20 and it went really close. But I still, it's a creative way to do it. They're obviously booking Jonah super strong because, once again, still hasn't been pinned or submitted. His only two losses are by count out. Yep. And it also makes Lance Archer look smart by taking it to the outside and winning that way because now he just basically, like, he's back in this now. So I don't know. I liked it. I gave it 3.25 stars. Yeah. Lance Archer does control his own destiny at this point. So it's quite interesting. All right, though, let's move on to the main event of Night 14. And this came to us from C-Block. And this was Tetsuya Naito taking on Kenta. I never, I couldn't really get into this match. I mean, I love both guys. But, like, we like we talked about the Naito formula. It was very clear that Naito was going to win the match. So, it's just, I don't know. I just didn't do it for me because of that. I wish this match was earlier in the tournament because I feel like I would have been way more invested in it. Kenta is already mathematically eliminated. It's, I don't know, it was just a weird timing for this match. I just wasn't really into it. I didn't really take any notes. I just The only note I took was Destino. 
Yeah, this First match, finish. it definitely had the Naito formula, but there were a few times where I actually thought Kenta might get the win and they might swerve us completely and also eliminate Naito before the end. Uh, I mean, there was an absolute just beautiful power slam by Kenta to get back into it, followed by a diving clothesline into an STF. It was kind of early in the match, but for some reason it felt like it might be the end. Uh, that led to Naito though hitting a big tornado DDT. Both men were down. This is about the 15 minute mark. Uh, and then this is when Naito kind of just kicked it into high gear. And I knew that Naito was going to win, but then like, it was like, all right, well now it's just how long till we get there because Naito just absolutely assaulted the neck of, uh, Kenta for the next like five minutes. It's a huge Gloria for two count. Uh, but then Kenta battles back for a minute. Top rope dream killer. Uh, which is the rope-assisted DDT that uh, Randy Orton does. I don't know if calling it the Dream Killer is some kind of shot at Randy Orton or not, but it could be. And if it's Kenta, so I wouldn't be surprised. He's kind of a vindictive guy, it seems, at times. But yeah, I don't know. This match was... I liked it. It was a good match, so I ranked it kind of high. But it's not a match that I would ever like go back and watch again, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, I gave it three stars. Uh, and then, yeah, the Destino at the finish was one of the most wicked Destinos I've seen. Like, it looked like, I don't know how, but Kenta swung Naito an extra time around. I don't know. It was wicked as hell. I uh, This match went uh, for 23 minutes and 30 seconds. I actually gave this match 3.75 stars. So, night 14, I went 3-2, and two, bringing my record to 39-23. and 23. Nice. All right, then. Well, let's move on to our final night of G1 action that we are covering this week. And we move to night 15. And when did this night happen, Diesel? August 10th, 2022, which is funny because it's August 10th, 2022 today, and it's the daytime. Yeah, at time of recording. But it happened on the nighttime in Japan. Time zones are weird, folks. Welcome to the future. <laughs> now right. my entrance makes total sense. It does. I didn't even do it on purpose. You no one knows about it because we were recording when I did it. But I was not. Okay, <laughs> let's get into night 15 action. And night 15 kicked off with D-block action. And this was ELP taking on David Finley. So this match was interesting because David Finley technically was like with tiebreakers at this point was in first place a D block. And so I knew like going into it, ELP was going to win, especially the way commentary was talking that Lance Archer on commentary again, which I thought he did better on this night than he did on this first night. I would but, agree with uh, that. I mean, this match was really good. It was ELP being ELP and then David Finley being David Finley. If that makes any sense. It was just, it was a really good opener, and David Finley could never put ELP away. And uh, basically, David Finley has to lose out, and ELP has to win out, and like everybody gets six points, and then we're gonna have like some kind of tiebreaker. But I'm confused by the tiebreakers because what if like David Finley, Yujiro, and Will Ospreay all tie, and they each 
Like David Finley hasn't went over Osprey. Osprey hasn't went over Ujiro, and Ujiro hasn't went over David Finley. Wouldn't that necessitate a tiebreaker? I I don't exactly know how these tiebreakers are going to play out here. You don't end. either. <laughs> exactly. So I'm very excited to see what it comes of it. I won't Something's lie to you, Diesel. Happen, and it's gonna. I have a feeling it's coming from D Block. Yeah. But I mean, this match was badass. Uh, ELP won with a roll up. Actually, it was a roll-up war. They kept on, like, rolling each other up for two counts, and then ELP just actually, like, just had him down long enough. And then the commentary afterwards was talking about uh, the tiebreaker uh, scenario. Lance Archer had the best line of the night when he said, everybody ties. That was pretty clever of Lance Archer, I won't lie. Uh, I won't lie, I don't have any matches, or I don't have any notes for this match because I was feeding Cooper while I was watching this match. So all I have is the finish for the roll-up war and ELP getting the victory and David Finley just being absolutely beside himself for letting this slip through his fingers. Yeah, so uh, I, I like this match. I thought it was a really good opener. I gave it 3.75. Wow, that's I maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to it. As I said, I was feeding my daughter. But I uh, this match went 14 minutes and 23 seconds. And I gave this match 3.25 stars. This felt like uh, the story it told, basically, and like how everything's setting up in D block. It just, I don't know, it made me more excited, I guess, at the end of the match. Like the weight this match had, comparing, comparing it to the Naito Kenta match, that one didn't hold as much weight as this match did. I, I can uh, understand where you're coming from on that one. But, you know, our ratings are our ratings. We'll have to see at the end how it all plays out. So let us keep on going, though, for Night 15, because match two of Night 15 came to us from B-Block, and this was Tamatanga taking on the Great Okan. This match for me was meh. Uh, Great Okan uh, mathematically eliminated even before the match even started. Um, It's basically down to two guys. Um, It's not like... Three. Something else can happen, but it's... Sonata can get back into it. He can get back into it, but, I mean, let's get honest. It's coming down to the last night of block action between Tomatonga and Jay White. wonder if they planned that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. This match was okay. It was great Ocon, and, yeah, I don't know. I, I was a little bit distracted by this match. I was... Uh, working at the same time so i I guess i don't really have a full i don't know like i can't give a full grade on this match i do have a rating though uh yeah this match was i great okan has been the most up and down for me of the tournament where sometimes i've really enjoyed his matches and other times i just haven't cared and because i really like tamatanga i thought this would be one of the matches i cared about more but unfortunately i kind of agree it did it it fell a little flat. I thought Tamatanga for his part in the match was great. Like all of his like fire up segments and tearing a shirt. Like Tamatanga is a super popular babyface right now, and I'm actually shocked that he is this popular as a good guy because he has talked a lot of trash about the crowds and everything in the past. And I'm just surprised everyone got behind him so much. And I love it because I love Tamatanga. Uh, this was kind of a back and forth kind of strike battle with both of them, both of them trying to out punch the other one through most of it. We once again had our strike battle into both of the men going down during this match. 
Uh, we had the Tama hit Supreme Flow, but can't hit the gun stun. It's the story of most of the Tama Tonga matches. Uh, Khan does lock in the claw, but Tama Tonga won't tap out. Great Khan goes for the Eliminator, but Tama reverses it into a great gun stun for the three count. Tama Tonga goes to eight points. Great Khan stays at two, which doesn't matter. And this match went 14 minutes and 32 seconds. I gave it three stars. 2.75 for me. You know, once again, we're usually within that 0.25 range. All right. Third match on this card for night 15. And this came to us from C Block. And I don't know. Do we even call this a match? Because this Here's was. Here's Zacky. Yeah, this was <laughs> Evil taking on Zack Sabre Jr. I mean, that spot was pretty hilarious, though. When he, like, popped his head out through the curtain, that smile he had on his face. Yeah. It was great. Dressing um, up a young boy as himself. That's it's pretty funny stuff. So this match, I don't know the official match time. Do 44 you know seconds. What I was going to say, because I only put, like, one minute in my notes. Um, so for being a 44-second match, it probably – I gave it two stars because that's what probably is equivalent to a five-star match in 44 seconds because for one evil loss by roll up in 44 seconds, which made me very happy. And I got to give it two stars. Um, Yeah. Uh, All I have written down for this match is ZSJ dressed up a young boy as himself, fooled everyone, attacked both Togo and evil to begin with. ZSJ blocks a low blow and then does an arm twist on it to hurt Evil, then rolls him up for the three count in 44 seconds. CSJ goes to eight points. Evil stays at four. Evil is mathematically eliminated from the G1 this year. I rated this match an incomplete. I'm sorry. I'm not giving a star rating to a match that didn't even last a minute. But I'm happy that ZSJ won because I love ZSJ. And his face after the match and to start the match were both... On point. And we're on to A block action. Moving on to A block action, our semi main event of night 15. Night 15, I won't lie, breezed by. Like it felt like like the pedal was to the metal the whole time. And I was like, oh my God, the semi main event already. But this was filthy Tom Lawler taking on Kazuchka Okada. Yeah, Tom Lawler, like brought it in this match there were times that i thought like is tom waller gonna steal one from okada like yeah this match is really good like okada had to like basically turn into like best version of okada at the end to win this match it was tom waller definitely like he showed up because there's been other matches in the tournament where he's kind of been like distracted and with this match he wanted the win. I mean, it seems like that's the theme for every match against Okada in this tournament. Even like Naito, I mean, not Naito, um, Yano, when he uh, like basically turned heel and got serious when it came to Okada, it's... Okada yeah. is basically the New England Patriots, okay, of like oh, the Tom Brady dynasty. Like everyone shoots their best shot at Okada every time. Just like any time. It didn't matter what team was playing the Patriots. You were getting their Super Bowl like ready version of that team but like even like okada 
couldn't get the upper hand in this match. The only reason he won is because he rolled them up, which was the theme for this night. Which, if this were a WWE show, we would be bitching up and down that three finishes were roll-ups. But they all made sense in the way that they happened. Every one of them was different, and they made sense. And, like, this was the only way Okada was going to win this match. Like, he had to take advantage right then and right there because eventually I thought think Tom Lawler was going to wear him out and get the victory. Well, so, like I was fine with the roll. Yeah. I mean, this match was from beginning to finish one of the better, like I really enjoyed this match. I think this was definitely Tom Lawler's best G one match. Of course he's facing a guy who's actually the same size of him or, you know, just Okada's still bigger than him. Cause Okada's a big friggin' dude, but you know, at least in the same weight class as Tom Lawler, uh, but there were so many big moves in this. There was a huge will kick by Lawler. Okada kind of no soul and hits a big drop kick. Both of them are down for a minute. Had the big shotgun drop kick by Okada. But then Tom countered the diving elbow drop from the top rope into an arm bar. Okada was, I mean, Lawler was focused completely on the arm of Okada throughout this match, trying to eliminate the Rainmaker. And actually near the end of the match, did stop Okada from going for the Rainmaker because his arm was so hurt. And when he went to spin him out, he just lost control and dropped him. And then Lawler took the advantage. And I really thought he was going to win. But then he fucked up. And he did the Rainmaker pose himself before just going for the nasty knee to the brain. And that allowed Okada to dodge the knee. And then after a couple more shenanigans, get the kind of just sit down, roll up, or kind of pinfall attempt. They got the three. And Okada goes to eight points. Lawler stays at four, eliminated. Great match. After the match, Okada kind of went and got in Lance Archer's face because it's going to come down to that. If Archer can beat Okada, then Archer wins the block. So exciting stuff. Uh, Match wins 16 minutes and 16 seconds. Always love when the times match up. I gave this match three and a half stars. I also gave this match three and a half stars. Because I felt like, as good as it was, it still could have been better. Like, but I hope somewhere down the road they get a rematch, even if it's like in a future G one, like just somewhere. Because I feel like they they definitely have more of a story to tell. They can definitely go. Oh yeah, I think that the filthy Tom Lawler Okada matches will be great in the future, and I hope that we definitely get some more. But it is time for the main event of Night 15. This came to us from C-Block, and this was Hiroki Goto taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi. This match, I wasn't very excited about this match because it's happened a lot. Like, even from my limited New Japan, like, watching, I've seen this match a few times. Um, It just happened a few months back for the right to face Moxley for the interim AEW championship. And I don't know. I wasn't excited when I saw that they were in the same block and we were going to get to see this match again. But that was before all the storytelling that Kevin Kelly has done for Hiroki Goto and how he was putting over before the match started that the record is 14-3-1 in Tanahashi's favor. And... It's just, it was setting up like perfectly for a Hiroki Goto win. And this match was a battle. They, like, 
they both wanted this win. And you can tell that there's no love loss between these two men because this was strong style. Tanahashi was looking like Tanahashi of old. He wasn't looking like Tanahashi we saw back in Milwaukee, that's for sure. And Goto, uh, he's focused. He wants to put that G back in the G1 and make it Goto 1 again. And, yeah, this match was awesome. The the callback to Tanahashi breaking Goto's jaw was classic. And, like, Goto was just drooling blood it was it was a sight to see but at the end Tanahashi just didn't couldn't do enough to keep Goto down and Goto got the upper hand ended up hitting the GTR and Hiroki Goto gets the win and takes himself to six points in the C, in C block uh, Hiroshi, Hiroshi Tanahashi also has six points and like my only note basically was this was a fucking battle. Yeah, I didn't actually take many notes during this match because I was a holding Cooper and also B. <clears throat> sorry, I was so enthralled with just the absolute brutality of the strikes they were throwing. And yeah, that dragon's tail that they had where Goto just started bleeding from the mouth like the match went into a whole different spectrum after that. I really enjoyed this match. Uh, it went 19 minutes and one second. Goto has six points. Tana has six points. I gave this match 3.75 stars. I gave it more than that. It ties for my highest star rating. And I might have actually liked it better than what else got 4.25 stars. Wow. I This might have been my favorite match of the whole tournament. Like, I don't know. Like, like we talked about, like I talked about the last night with kenta and naito how it was like poor timing for that match like this was perfect timing for this match like if this match happened like in like the first like couple matches for them it would have been like a nothing match but this this is another match that held so much weight night 15 for not being like the greatest wrestled night was still a really good night like i feel really good after this night and excited I'm excited for a three-day layoff because these last, like, five shows, just, like, back-to-back-to-back-to-back like that, it was kind of, like, uh, like, even draining for me. But, like, now I get a couple days off and then coming Saturday is the next one, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for the layoff. But, yeah, I thought Night 15 was a great night of G1 action. I really enjoyed it. I didn't think any of the matches were, like, above and beyond great, but I thought all of them were really solid and told great stories throughout even the 44-second match that I didn't rate. Like, still had a great story for those 44 seconds. It was more like two minutes if you count all the shenanigans. I but, yeah. Four and one after uh night 15 bringing my record to 43 and 24 i also have a winning percentage for you it's a 641 which translates to 64 percent which is actually if this were like professional coaching or something like that everyone would be like he's a good coach yeah winning uh, percentage. <laughs> uh, i added up my tally and i got 40 and 28 which means that i added an extra match either on my wins or my losses so either I'm 39 and 28 or I'm 40 and 27. One of the two. You're 41 and uh, 38 or whatever. Whatever. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I'm doing, I'm doing decent. Not as good as you, but I'm close. 
close. But yeah, that was night 15. Uh, We have not that many. One more week left of G1 action. We will be covering it all, and it's going to be a sprint to the finish for sure. Next week, we will know who's in the finals. The finals doesn't happen until the day after we record. So, well, at least we'll know who's in the finals. So, yeah, we'll cover it all the way up until then. And uh, finals the following week. Damn right. All right. But this has been one hell of a wrestling episode. So let's hit that final sound effect so we can get on out of here, Diesel. So monkeys in the back, hit that sound effect. All right, Diesel, as always and forever, that sound means it's final thoughts time. So what have you for us this week? Well, I am doing a bunch of stuff this coming up weekend. Uh, tomorrow night, I'm finally going to see Thor. Um, yeah, babysitter. And yeah, so we're going to have a little date night. Um, Saturday night, uh, my birthday's on Tuesday. So on Saturday night, my family's taking me out to dinner. i uh, going to have some food and some drinks and and have a good old time. Um, Monday, I'm meeting up with Shady for lunch. I mean, that's the plan, and there's a reason we call him Shady, so we'll see if that actually happens. By lunch, I mean, like, early dinner, because he already moved it to, like, 4 o'clock, so, yeah. Um, what else? And then on Tuesday, it's my birthday, and Emily and I are like leaving benji with my parents and we're going to the overture center to see hamilton oh yeah very excited for so and before hamilton we're going to ian's to get some pizza so i'm probably going to stay in some of my nice clothes but it'll be worth it because ian's pizza in madison if you come to madison you have to make a stop at ian's oh yeah you gotta go to ian's ian's is absolutely delicious and uh hamilton's awesome so i'm jacked you're finally gonna get to gonna get to see it live and for your birthday at that yeah i am i'm pretty excited about it when i saw that they were in town and i saw that it was like during like on my birthday it's like yep we're, we're going that night for sure yeah makes sense uh for my final thoughts i'm actually also because my birthday is a week from saturday but Allison is taking me out for my birthday on Saturday night. So we're going out to a nice dinner uh, because she will be out of town next week for a bachelorette party. So we're doing that on Saturday for that. Uh, besides that, where are you going? Uh, we're going awkward. To, you might end up to the, at the same place. Uh, we're going to Novino. No, I'm not going there. Okay. I didn't we're think so. Errands. There you go. That's a good one. Uh, but yeah, so got that going on on Saturday. Besides that, I think we're just kind of hanging out this weekend. Uh, Next week, uh, the day before the podcast, it'll be Cooper's four-month appointment. So finally get to see exactly how big she has gotten, which we are very excited to see. Uh, She is clearly you didn't hear her as much this week, uh, the gibbering and jabbering. She was a little quieter this week, but she is finding her voice quickly, and I don't think our house is going to be quiet much longer. Uh, But yeah. Besides that, I don't really have anything else. So, Diesel, why don't you do some social media stuff so we can get on out of here? You can follow me on Twitter at Diesel underscore VFTR. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad's underscore mind or at VFTR2PO. 
You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram by searching View from the Top Rope Official. We're on YouTube at View from the Top Rope. Of you from Top Rope at gmail.com is our email address. Follow Visionaries Global Media on Twitter at Viz Global Media. Send your podcast to be reviewed, added to the network. Send them to Visionaries Global Media at gmail.com where you'll be heard on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Podknife, and Potable. And just so, so many others. Just type in Visionaries Global Media or VFTR 2.0 into a search engine. You will find us on a podcasting platform you enjoy. As always, we thank you all so much for listening to this madness that we call a podcast. Hopefully we've gotten you through that boring work day, that workout we're so proud of you for finishing, or whatever else you happen to be doing while you're listening to our dulcet tones. Make sure you're remembering to like, comment, share, subscribe. Uh, Plus, I don't know, whatever you have to do on the podcasting platform you enjoy to get more people to hear our wonderful voices and our thoughts because we just want to spread like a plague out farther and farther, reaching more and more people left and right day by day. So tell your friends, tell your enemies, or anyone else who will listen to you to listen to VFTR 2.0. As always, though, I have been Chad. He has been Diesel. Remember, be kind to each other out there. We are all just humans trying to survive on this blinny, on this spinning blue orb that we call Earth. Not blinning. That's what happens when you combine blue and spinning into one word. So be nice. Don't be a dick. There's no fucking reason to be. And always remember to climb up high and enjoy VFTR 2.0.